You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Everybody and welcome to the Health Hub on this beautiful Tuesday morning. I am Kathy Biasse, and along with my producer Alex Diaz, we welcome you to the show. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Kathy, and once again, good morning to our listeners. It's a beautiful day here. Can't help but be smiling. It is. It is for sure. Did you have a good long weekend? Yes, I did. I had um, my cousin and my uncle over from 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 overseas, and uh, I had a barbecue this weekend as well. So I had my family from my mom's side over as well so we had that barbecue on sunday oh very nice weather held beautifully or did you get were you caught in that bit of rain towards the end of the day we we kind of made our made our way in for sure it was it was getting a bit cold and we we got in before the rain started so Mm -hmm. it was good Mm -hmm. but nice family weekend yes it was and how about yours it was very good we uh very very busy weekend we took my baby to university which is uh a little bit of a setup for our show today we Mm -hmm. took her so that was um very sad for me i have to say i was quite weepy i made it out of her residence without a tear as she asked me to do but uh yeah i was weepy still a bit weepy um you know, it's never easy, and she's just a, a lovely presence to have at home, so I mm-hmm. will dearly miss her. But uh, we did that, and um, we made our sauce yesterday. We have a family tradition of making tomato sauce, so that was yesterday, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah, even uh, Giovanni, our coordinator, coordinator here at the station, did the same thing. He prepared the sauce as well for for the, for the year. For the full year. Yeah, yeah we... Um, we have, you know, my sister's help. My father-in-law is sort of the ringleader for everything. And uh, it, it takes a full day. It was a lot. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. The tomatoes were um, a lot more expensive this year. They were saying because of the rainy season, the tomatoes uh, weren't as high quality as they were last year. So a little bit more costly. But, you know, you take a day and um, we've got sauce for the full year. And it's a great tradition to uh, for the family to to be together. So next is the homemade wine, and that'll be it for 2017. <laughs> we start the process over again next year. So good. So today, as uh, I alluded to, it's back to school week. You know, mm-hmm. I dropped my daughter off. The university people with older children um, probably spent this weekend dropping their kids off and setting them up either in their homes or in their dormitory and. Uh, Today's, I guess, the, the big day, thousands of kids going back to school in the elementary area, and then high schools peter in throughout the week, depending on the grade. But uh, we wanted to devote this show to back to school because it can be, um, you know, from the Staples commercial where they're kicking up, the parents are kicking up their heels, that summer's over for others. It's, uh, especially moms out there, it can be a little trying and uh, hoping that the school year lays out well for their child and and you want to start them off the right way for sure at at the beginning of the school year. So we have a special guest, Meredith Deasley, with us today and uh, expert in many areas um, concerning families. And she's going to talk a lot about back to school and give us some tips and feel free to call in. We are at 416-245-1534. You can also find us on Instagram at, L- at the Health Hub RMC. You can tweet at me if you have any questions that you don't want to call in with. Um, that seems to be a common thing, but don't be shy about calling in. But you can tweet at me at Kathy underscore Biasse. Look at us on Facebook at the Health Hub Radio uh, Maria. And if you have any questions or you need some further answers to the show today or any other questions, you can email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. But before we go off to break, I wanted to um, give you some background on Meredith. Meredith Deasley started her company, The Resourceful Mother, in 2002, specializing in nutrition for families. Meredith is a registered holistic nutritionist, a registered nutrition consulting practitioner, and is a life coach with International Coach Federation. 
In 2010, Meredith published her breakout book entitled The Resourceful Mother's Secrets to Healthy Kids, followed by The Resourceful Mother's Secrets to Emotional Health in 2014. Meredith's work is read in over 120 countries and uh, 2,400 cities. Meredith has helped hundreds of families solve their physical and emotional health challenges through individual consultations. She conducts nutrition and emotional health seminars and teaches at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition. In the past 15 years, Meredith <clears throat> excuse me, has been interviewed on numerous radio and television shows, has been written about in uh, newspapers and magazines. So she's going to have a wealth of information for you to share about back to school. And when we return from our break, you will meet Meredith Deasley. Listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. Good morning, Meredith. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on here. Oh, it's so nice out today. Have you experienced back to school in your house this year? Uh, it starts for us tomorrow because my youngest is going into grade 11 and they don't start today, but tomorrow. Oh, do you have, um, how many children do you have, Meredith? Two. My yeah. eldest starts university today. So you had a drop-off on the weekend as well. Yes. How yes, did that I go did. for you? 
Well, with her, she had Frosh Week last week, so she actually had a start to it a bit early. Oh, okay, okay. Did you find it emotional, or were you well prepared for it? I was emotional, but I found a way to do it so that it wasn't me dropping her off. It was me leaving and her boyfriend taking her, and I was going to something really exciting, so that helped me do it. But I did, on the drive there, I did get a tear in my eye. Yeah. I, my daughter yeah. made me promise um, not to cry while I was there. And um, it, she was living with five kids. And um, oh. yeah, so we moved her in. Um, she's very low maintenance, so she didn't have a lot of stuff. And when I felt myself getting emotional, I said, okay, I think it's time for us to go. And she was, mom, but everyone else is staying. And I said, you know what? I think you need to settle. You know, we've done everything we need to do. You've got your floor meeting and uh, we left and I barely made it out that front door. And then I've been weepy ever since. I, she's, <laughs> she's my baby. So it, I found it very, very hard. But you know what? It's the cycle of life and uh, it, it has to happen. But um, That's right. yeah, so it's, it's nice to know that um, even someone as experienced as yourself Still gets taken aback. I mean, those elementary years just fly by. They really, really they do. They really do. When you're in it, sometimes it takes forever. But then you look back and it really was just a second in time. It, it, that's, that is like beautifully said. That's exactly what I tried to explain to somebody else. Like I've, I've gone through dropping um, my little one off and how anxious she was. And, and now, you know, and it's, it seems like as soon as they got out of elementary school, the time just went by. And uh, boy, oh, yeah. boy. Boy, oh boy. But um, anyways, I don't want to start getting a little emotional now. So let's just dive into our, our day here. And I thought, you know, I was, I was going to take this sort of as, as maybe parents are planning the day for back to school. And I thought maybe before we get into some headier subjects, we might just start with lunch bag stuff because um, mm. I found that to be stressful with my kids uh, for many reasons. It went from uh, food being returned that I'd given them every single day to uh, going into high school where lunch was 20 minutes and no time to eat. So maybe focusing on the younger kids, how would you suggest that we pack a lunch bag for elementary school? Well, my suggestion is that the child chooses their lunch bag, including their containers, because then that gets them excited. It's not up to us, what our, because our choices can be very different from our child. So they choose all of that. And then in every lunch, there needs to be two fruits, two vegetables, a meal with protein, and one or two snacks with protein. Okay, and do you, can you, like, I, I just find the kids are so fussy and so excited. I, I, yes. Is there any ways you can even serve this food to make it more, I don't know, appealing to the kids at lunch? Well, if, if they've chosen the containers, it's going to go in. Maybe they even choose the utensils. And then um, if it's a thermos that re is a real thermos that keeps it actually hot, if you're giving them a hot meal, these all make a difference. But it has to be, if they're picky eaters, that has to be addressed before you're dealing with a lunch. You know, they're not going to try new things necessarily in a lunch. So the picky eating is a different matter that, that happens more at home. And I found with that that the more control a parent tries to take over what they eat, the more picky the child will become. But if the more easygoing the parent is the, and the less issue they make about food, the less issue the child will make about food. Well, when does it start to become a concern when you're, you're getting your lunches returned that you've packed, even with the kids helping out? Um, well, I would say it becomes a concern right away. As soon as you see they're not eating their lunch, then the two of you can go shopping together and choose things, you, but you have to give them the choices, not them just go in and say, I want this. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so they go with you. They might make things. They might prepare the lunch with you. If you play music, they put on an apron, depending on how young the child is. Um, and they're part of it all. I mean, imagine them. This goes way back for some people, but imagine them going into the garden and picking the carrots mm -hmm. that they're going to put in the lunch. Like I know most people don't do that these days, but if they're involved in the process, then they're much more likely to partake in the eating of it. 
Now, what if they come home and tell you, and I'm just calling on some things that happened to me quite a bit, that they are eating other people's lunches and they're sharing. So they're giving up their fruit and they're getting a great bag of chips. Um, can you sit down and reason with a child at this time? Or what is your advice on yeah. that? You can reason with them from the age of 18 months onward. Um, I know that because I had to reason with my daughter who was 18 months and was eating the other kids' food. The, w- the best way to reach them is to show them what happens to them if they eat that food. So some kids have an immediate reaction to a food. My children did. So I could say, you know, that makes you not go to the washroom and then your stomach aches. Or I can shout... I could tell them what the food did to them if they were having other children's food. But other kids, there's not an immediate reaction. So the way I like to explain that is I say to them, imagine if you filled a gas tank in your car with Smarties. Would the car run? And the child says, no. And they say, but you can fill your gas tank in your body with Smarties and you can still run. Because the human body is so amazing, it can run. But over time, it will eventually get sick. It's impossible for you to eat that way and not get sick. Mm -hmm. Do you have any good snack ideas? I know that's a big thing. Sure. So all my snack ideas include protein because children need that in order to grow properly. It's like a bodybuilder that's always having protein powder to build their muscles. It's the same with a child. They need protein every time they eat, so five times a day, breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner. So the first um, idea is sunflower seeds with dark chocolate chips. Now, you might say, well, what if the school doesn't allow that? that? They usually say no nuts. But we're talking seeds. So Mm -hmm. that's why I mention it. A lot of people rule out seeds, but maybe the school does allow seeds, and the problem is really with the nuts. Another idea is guacamole with corn chips. Mm -hmm. Another idea is uh, sesame rice crackers with garlic hummus. A lot of adults don't think of garlic hummus being a hit for the kids but usually the kids love garlic hummus versus regular hummus. And you're okay with people buying the hummus? I mean, we're so busy, some of the parents that, you know, my assumption is that, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the parents can't sit down and make all these, you know, the hummus and the dips. Um, There are good quality um, packaged hummuses out there, aren't there, and and, um, salsa? I really, yeah, I really like the Make La Fontaine Sante. Okay. Because they have, I don't know, seven different flavors and the hummus, every child that I've suggested it to has really liked their garlic hummus. That's a, it, it, that's a good suggestion. And I've, I've, been, I've been away from elementary school for a while. Uh, maybe, I don't know if you know yourself even, are, are they giving the kids a snack, lunch snack um, throughout the day? Um. Yeah, the younger kids do get to eat every three hours, which is the ideal amount of time. But it's a bit atrocious when they get to high school. My daughter's lunch in grade 11 starts at 9.30 in the morning. Her lunch started at 9.30? Yep, she literally gets a lunch time at 9.30 in the morning. So she has to eat her lunch between periods in the afternoon. Wow. Yeah, my daughter, yeah. when she was in school, she had a 20-minute lunch. But during that time as well, if she needed to get, um, that included going to her locker, grabbing her lunch, and then if she had to go talk to a teacher. So I, it was very frustrating for me. Yeah. And, and I don't know, like in, in high school, she had accessibility to a cafeteria every day. Um, I, I don't know if, if this is something you agree with, but we gave her lunch money once a week. That was her because I... Uh, you know, I, I didn't, hey, I thought it was a little expensive and I didn't know what she was eating because the days that she did go to the cafeteria, it was pizza. So um, yeah. you really do. I, I think you're right in laying the, the groundwork very young. These kids have to understand to eat their own food and, and to trust in what they're taking. Um, do, do you think that the, you know, they've got the bento boxes, they've got this lunch bag, they've got that lunch bag. Do you think the appearance of that is an important thing. I know you said containers and so forth, but do we need to consider that as well, or is that just fluff? 
No, the appearance is extremely important to the child. If they like their lunch containers and, and their lunch bag or box, that will make it a more um, attractive meal for them. And if they did do the bento box idea and you've got a range of colors in front of them, it just looks more appealing and then they want to eat it. Okay. Now, what about tips for parents, um, especially parents that are working and that's, that's a, a large number? Lunches in the morning, lunches at night. What, what do you think as far as preparing? If you make it at night, is it kind of mushy in the morning? How would you throw a sandwich together at night? Yeah, so that's what I encourage parents to figure out is what their preferences are and what their child's preferences are all around this routine. So I personally am too tired at the end of the day to make the lunches. So I get up early in the morning and make them. But some parents say, no way, that adds too much stress to getting out the door in the morning. I've got to make it at night. Same with figuring out the child's routine in the morning. Um, I had one child that wanted to get up 15 minutes before school started, and she would be ready and out the door. She just wanted to sleep as long as possible. I had one the other child wanted to get up an hour before we had to leave and really take her time getting ready. Mm-hmm. So I encourage all parents to figure out what works for them and what works for their child in terms of this routine to reduce stress. And what, at what age would you uh, flip the lunch duty responsibility over to the child? I don't think there's a set age. Um, and there are some children that are extremely busy with schoolwork as well as sports. And so they may never make their own lunch while they're at, while it's a school day. They may be making their lunches on the weekends. Mm-hmm. But then there are other kids that have more time, and it's not going to stress them out to make their lunch. It will just help them learn responsibility. So they, so in my children's case, they were just so busy all the time that I would take on that role. Mm-hmm. But on the weekend, they would be in charge of making a meal or making the their own breakfast or, the, you know, mm-hmm. but I do think that at the age of grade one, six years old, they can start making, putting together things, you know, may not be able to make everything, of course, but they can start putting things together. So you're trying to create an independence in them. Yes, absolutely. And I guess, I guess you have to understand your child, like you said, and your, your lifestyle and everything, because we don't want to put added stress onto a child. Um, right. Because, you know, what are the stresses? You know, we drop them off at school, we continue with our day and we, we you know, I am, I, I, I've done it myself. You know, these little people are going to school and everything's going to be great. But maybe, you know, you've had a lot of experience. What are some of the stresses that, that children undergo when they're in the classroom or in the school setting? Yeah, so the way I'm going to summarize this, first of all, is that we don't think as adults about our children going to school and that everything is controlled. They have to go to school. It's not their choice what school they go to usually. It's the parents' choice. So they don't choose their school. They don't choose their teachers, the other students, what they learn there. Whereas when we drop them off at school, we are going and doing things that have been our choice, whether it's our job, whether it's to not work and just visit a friend one day. But these kids, they're controlled the whole day. So their stresses are much greater than we even think about. So even getting along with other kids or having a bully in the classroom or learning something that they're having a hard time learning or a teacher that doesn't teach properly or that they don't get along with. I mean, the stresses are huge and there are many of them. And how would you see them manifest in your child? So if, if you pick up your child or um, later on that evening, your child is unhappy, if they're crying or weeping, if they're um, saying they don't want to go back to school, if they're quiet and withdrawn, just anything that's out of the ordinary is a sign that something's not going well for them there. Uh, the hard part, I guess, would getting that communication aspect of it. Right. Inevitably, there's going to be some stressors that happened, yeah. uh, you know, from from being dropped off for the first time as a six-year-old 
to being bullied when you're in grade seven. And exactly. it's, it was, you know, I, I've had four go through and I've had my issues and it's, it's Meredith, it's hard to know where to get involved. How do you, how do you recommend a parent jump in? You know, you, I'm sure you've heard, don't, please don't say anything, mom. I don't want, yeah. you know, how do you navigate that? So, you know how you said, first of all, you have to get the child to communicate with you. And the best way to encourage that is that no matter what they tell you, you are loving and understanding, even if they've done something wrong. It's when parents show judgment when a child opens up to them that the child starts to shut down. So if a child's not opening up to a parent, it's something the parent has done to create that rift between them. So there are different strategies to open the child up again once they've already felt judged. And usually I get the parent um, as a life coach. I, I talk to the parent. I talk to the child. And I help the parent apologize to the child for having judged them and say that they completely understand why their child won't up to open up to them now. And then that can start them fresh again. So that's usually how that happens. And then your question about how to deal with it once there is a problem, how to know when to get involved, you have to give them, they tell you the problem, and then the two of you brainstorm as to what the options are as to how to handle the problem. And they get a choice as to what they're going to do. But if they don't follow through on it, then you tell, you tell them, if you don't follow through on that, you know I have to go speak to the teacher or you know I have to speak to that parent. And they'll say, yes, I understand that. So it's, it's a, the two of you being a team um, and coming up with solutions and deciding when, it's going to ha- when the solution will take place. Yeah, it's a tough one. Like I said, I had um, a few instances that... And I have to say there was there was one where I I had to take over because my my daughter wasn't able to to do what needed to be done. It is a tough it is a tough thing, but you know that's yeah. that's as the school year goes on, and um, you know hopefully when we get back from our break, you you can set us up with with strategies to help um, our kids have a successful year um, as far as sleep and immunity, and you know maybe we can even get as far depending on our time into how can children can sort of relate to each other. So when we get back from our break, we're going to jump into um, those aspects of our conversation with Meredith Deasley.
You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada. A Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are here with Meredith Deasley. Her company is The Resourceful Mother. Meredith, we've had a couple of questions come in, um, and I, I'll circle back to them because it has to do with the stress issue that we brought up. Did you always want to be a nutritionist, by the way, or is this something that you've been, you know, you were born oh, to gosh, do? Oh, gosh, no. No? <laughs> I had no interest in being a nutritionist or a life coach um, until my eldest got sick as a result of food. And I had to help heal her. And then I was helping a boy who was suicidal and depressed and realized I needed to know how to help kids emotionally. So that led me into the life coaching. Oh, and, you know, I, we had a show a while back on teenagers and stress or millennials and stress. And it's, it's such an important area to have someone to turn to like yourself when things like that. The children are under such stress. And I, I don't think that we get it. Um, it's different than when we were growing up. So it wh- is. what you're Absolutely. doing is a wonderful, wonderful thing um, and very much needed for certain. We had a question coming in. Again, this stress issue, you know, whenever we bring it up, we seem to circle back to it quite a bit. Um, so I'm going to get to this question, but I, I, you know, I don't want to be remiss in getting to the other areas of the show. Uh, someone tweeted in um, that uh, her daughter sobbed at the bus stop. And I know I, I drove three of my kids to school. My last one uh, took the bus. And it was a tough thing, you know, a little one-year-old getting onto the bus, or not one-year-old, a grade one getting onto the bus, mm-hmm. um, and she cried terribly. It was, it was awful. It was heart-wrenching. Do you have any tips to help these poor parents out when their kids are just crying like that? Well, the important thing is to find out um, what exactly is worrying them about the day ahead. So <clears throat> she can't do anything now because this has already happened in terms of how it went today. But tonight, she can say, what exactly made you cry the most? Was it not knowing what was going to happen today? Was it that you know that boy is going to be in your class that you don't like? So you've got to narrow it down and find out what the exact concern is and then deal with that concern. Uh, It's just so hard. You know, (laughs) it's just so hard when, you know, you're trying to get into this little one's head. But, um, you know, I feel for this, I feel for this lady and um, great advice. Absolutely. And it's a continual conversation, I imagine. Um, yeah, it's, it's gotta be fear of the unknown. You know, maybe a good thing too, is especially when you're going into grade one, um, take your child to the school, at least familiarize them. When my daughter started grade one, she was in a different school than the other three. There was a corner that she had to turn and, um, the teacher would stop us. Initially she stopped and my daughter was like, she was paralyzed to go around that corner by herself. And, uh, mm. I had to go into the principal and I said, listen, I need to figure out what's around that corner that she's so frightened about. Um, sometimes you have to be a little assertive. I found you have to be a little assertive in these situations. And once I did it a couple of times, you know, she was fine. It's just, she, it was so big. Yeah. And I think she felt a little lost and, um, you know, rules are rules and I know they're in place, but sometimes you got to be a little creative. So I suggest that Absolutely. very much, you know, you got to be your, yeah. your kid's advocate, but let's get into yeah. the whole routine thing about school. And mm-hmm. maybe we'll start off on, on that note with sleeping patterns. How important are they to establish with your children? So it's extremely important to get that established. It literally affects them the rest of their lives. So um, have you ever heard a child talk about their problems when they're tired? Cry. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of crying. (laughs) Yes, a lot of crying. This is when they suddenly have no friends. Nothing's going right at school. They're down on themselves. I mean, just everything is wrong. So... I find that when kids get more sleep, they will see what the real problems are and not be fabricating problems. Now, one thing that I think parents don't understand is how important it is to not awake their children by making noise in the rest of the house. So say it's Saturday and Sunday and the kids get to sleep in. If the parents are making noise that wakes the children, right away those children are losing sleep that they need for that to get through that week ahead. So they need to do everything possible to be quiet so the kids can sleep as long as possible. 
It's one thing that I just refuse to interrupt unless I have to. And the kids do need, depending on their age, eight to 10 hours sleep a night. I see a lot of high school kids that are getting six hours, seven hours sleep a night. And they're exhausted every single day and they don't even know what life is like if they were to get eight hours sleep at night. So um, it's very, very important um, that they get this sleeping right and that this helps their lives make, you know, their lives go smoothly in all areas. When they're, when they're in high school, it's a little bit harder to do this. But in the elementary school age, do you recommend having TV time, having, you know, I mean, I don't know what age kids are getting phones now, um, but phone time, specific times where they're allowed to be on social media. Do you recommend that the parents instill this in their kids or are you much more work with the child, see how life is going, take on that? Yeah, I'm much more work with the child because their days at school are so regimented and as we talked about, so controlled that I believe at home it should be more relaxed. But that does not mean let them get away with everything. So if we're to regiment their whole night, oh, this is when we do this, then this is how long you get to do this, the child is going to rebel. There is no question that if they have all these rules and times for everything, they will rebel. They need to be able to express themselves. So, and that's been my biggest, um, when I get all these kids that come to me for help, it's that they've been too regimented in a lot of the cases and not allowed to express themselves. So the, the idea is the parent says, in a night, we need to have balance. You need to eat, you need to bath, you need to sleep, you need to have fun. And if you tell them that every night they get to do those things, that sets them up for the rest of their lives so that they realize every day I've got to have some fun. Every day I've got to have some time to exercise, you know? So do so, you set up a routine for them or no? You, you let do them... have a routine, but not everything's allowed to be a routine because mm -hmm. then there isn't that space for their self-expression. So for example, you tell them what they need to get done in the night and you watch to see how they do it. Do they get everything done? If not, okay, now we need to talk. You didn't get any time to have a bath, you know, or yeah, you chipped, you were on your phone too long and you didn't get to have long enough to eat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like so you've got to watch what they do first and then say, all right, notice there wasn't balance there. What are we going to do? And ask the child what they want to do to, to fix it first. If you only bring in the rules and the crackdown when they're not um, achieving what they need to achieve to maintain balance. Okay. Now, you said something a bit ago, um, and I want to bring it up because it's conflicting information on the topic of sleep. And I have okay. read that, um, I've read both ways. Let them sleep, like you said, on the weekend. You know, it is what it is. And then other studies coming out saying that bedtime, wake time should be the same every single day of the week. So I'm assuming that that's not something you adhere to. So the bedtime should be the same in order to regulate the body. So bedtime and waking every day should be the same to regulate the body. But that can still be five days a week that you're doing it one way. So in other words, the majority of the time they're doing it one way. But if they are... if they are getting enough sleep based on their lives, they will stick to that routine on the weekend as well. If they're not and they're wanting to sleep in, they should be allowed to sleep in on the weekend. Okay. The, the overall thing that you're, you're letting people know is that we have to communicate with our kids. You know, we, right. we yeah, and that, that's coming through loud and clear. And um, I totally agree with it. You know, okay. we were busy as well. Um, all the kids were in different activities. And there definitely were times when I was like, I'm sorry, but this is how it's going to happen. And, right. you know, and you have to give yourself, you know, you have to leave yourself for that, too. I mean, or else as a parent, you're going to go crazy, too. And nobody's expecting parents to be perfect. Um, in fact, I right. think kids kind of learn, you know, it's OK for mom to snap every once in a while because she's a person, too. So, yeah. um, you know, we can't and beat I ourselves up. Yeah, and I think when a parent does snap, that at some point, it may not be right away, they do tell their child why that happened and say, 
you may think that I'm perfect, but nobody is perfect. Mm -hmm. And next time I'm going to do this so that hopefully I don't lose it. But just know that every once in a while, I'm going to lose it because I'm trying to manage everything. Yeah. And you know, I know as moms, we try and hold it all together. And I think that could be one of the, the greatest downfalls that we have. So I'm, you know, I mean, I'm not recommending someone, you know, go off kilter, but you know, don't punish yourself when you have a bad day for sure. I agree. Now we are heading, as soon as we head into school, basically we're heading into flu season. We have about a month or so. Um, so I'm sure you have a lot of great ideas to help naturally, uh, sleep probably is one of them, build our children's immunity and therefore our immunity because they're bringing everything home from school. So let's talk right. about that for a little bit. Yes. So number one is the child needs to have a lot of glasses of water in a day, preferably filtered water so that they're not getting the chlorine, which actually depletes their intestine of good bacteria. So the more, one thing we don't talk about with the water is that it actually takes the garbage out of the body. So if a parent can explain it that way to a child, it might encourage the child to drink more water. So the way to determine how much water they need is based on their age. If they're six years old, they need six cups of, of water a day. If they're seven, they need seven cups a day. And it goes up to eight cups a day is the maximum, unless they're doing sports, in which case they might have 10 cups a day. But that's what you're looking for them to have a day, to, for them to move that garbage out of the body. Okay. Number two is um, have probiotics. That's becoming more and more well-known thanks to a bunch of nutritionists that have been going to doctor's offices and telling them about the value of probiotics. But without getting into a whole explanation of that, the probiotics build the immune system. Uh, number three, increasing protein consumption, meaning the child has protein every two and a half to three hours, actually builds their immunity. Number four, when a child has fish oils or even the algae itself that you can buy in a capsule for vegetarian kids, um, that will increase the immunity. Uh, number five is taking vitamin C, which is a good idea to do in the fall preventative, uh, as a preventative measure because in the fall they get the stuffy noses, the cold starting, and if you take the C, it's a natural antihistamine. Um, it has so many different benefits. It keeps the inflammation down in the body. Um, next is decreasing sugar consumption because that weakens the immune system. And that would be an argument for a child that wants to eat their friend's lunches. Say, well, you're, you keep getting colds. Does your friend get colds this much? And they say, no. And say, well, in your case, you're getting all these colds because you're having all this sugar. Maybe their bodies are reacting in a different way to the sugar. Maybe they're having troubles concentrating in class or give them different examples like that. So literally the sugar weakens the immune system. And that's why we see so many kids sick right after Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, decreasing exposure to chlorine improves the immune system. So again, having that filtered water and maybe not having the swimming lessons all through the winter because literally it depletes good bacteria from the body and, and literally can help contribute to a child getting sick more often. And we've got three more to go until we're at 10. <laughs> Some high school kids are having caffeine, so they're having coffee in the mornings. And I notice it a lot more than when we were kids. Um, so the caffeine weakens the immune system. And then the last two are decreased stress because stress is a huge factor in weakening the immune system. And lastly, increasing sleep, which we've talked about. That literally improves the immune system. That's a great list. Yeah, we have talked about a lot of it. And it's funny you keep bringing up the stress aspect of it, too, um, you know, when the kids are getting older, you know, setting this and getting this routine down early in school, you know, by the time they get to high school, hopefully it's it's old hat for them and we're not fighting mm -hmm. with them. But, you know, people people may just be learning these things and trying to implement them for a little bit older kids. 
And sometimes there's rebellion that will happen there. Yeah. Rebellious yeah. nature for us trying to get involved. Sometimes we get, um, you know, the phone call from school about, you know, maybe your child's not behaving. How do we foster in our kids a respect for the system without impinging too much upon their freedom of thought, their freedom of speech? How do we foster a respect in our children? The best way to earn our children's respect for ourselves is to, and we do have to earn it. A lot of parents just expect that their child respects them, but it doesn't work that way. We have to earn it. And the very best way to earn our child's respect for ourselves is to stick to our word. So if we say, if we're going to give them a consequence and we say, I'm not taking you to this party if you um, speak to me like that one more time today, we have to stick to it and not take them to the party. They have to learn that we will stick to our word and that will build their respect in us. In terms of them respecting the school system, that we may not be able to achieve. The school has to do that. So if they don't respect the teacher, the teacher has not earned their respect. So that is more of a case of us understanding where they're at and saying to them, wow, so that teacher has not earned your respect. And then they say, yeah, right. And if they're understood like that by a parent, it makes it all so much better for them. But if you're saying, well, you have to respect your teacher, then the child and you have a problem, mm -hmm. you know? Well, you know, and, and that's true. They, as Especially it happens more and more as they start developing their own opinions. Um, yes. And the teacher, and, and in my opinion, this is just my opinion, if the teacher doesn't earn the child's respect, legitimately uh, does not earn the child's respect, that's fine. And the child, they get through that year because you can't fix everything. As long right. as they act respectful towards the person, they don't have to like them. They don't have to respect, maybe not at respectful, right. but they have to act like a decent human being in return. Right. And sometimes that's a little bit hard to do. I've bumped into teachers that I personally haven't had a whole bunch of respect for. But, yeah. you know, that's life, right? And um, yeah. sometimes the kids have to get through that as long as they act like decent human beings. Yeah, but it makes it so much easier for them if you're saying, I get it. Mm -hmm. I would have troubles respecting that teacher too. But just you've got to be the better person here and you've got to just treat them with, you know, do what they say, but we both know what the problem is here. Yeah. And then they'll do it. They just need that to be understood. Yes, and they do. And, yeah. you know, even even going off to university, it's, oh, no no rules, no parents, no this or that. It's funny how quickly they fall back on us when they really need yeah. the help. It's funny, you yeah. were talking um, a bit about, you know, keep to your word. And I'll just, we're, we're heading towards the end of the show. I'll just tell you a couple of things that have happened to me. Um, my husband got very mad at my, my son a few years back. And he said, no TV for a month. Well, I was at home at the time. And okay. so I'm the one that has to... Yeah push through this this one month right. without TV. I could have killed him. So he was yes. mad at my son. I was mad at my husband. It was a fun, fun month. And the other <laughs> one was my daughter um, in high school. I had grounded her. I, I had gotten mad at her for a situation. And in, in, in the heat of the moment, I said, you know what? You're grounded for a month. This was going through a sweet 16 period where there were a bunch of these yeah. parties coming up and it's kind of circled around that. And I said, you know what? You're grounded yeah. for a month. You're by third week, I was ready to kill myself. I mean, she was <laughs> all over me. She was, mom, it's been a month. I said, it's not been. It's, you know, it was just, it was such a yeah. back and forth thing. And, you know, you learn by these things, but um, sticking right. to your word can be really hard. So you do have to be choosy when, uh, when you're, you're giving out these things. And I totally agree with you. Um, so that brings us, uh, Meredith, to the end of our show. It was very quick. And I'm wondering if you can leave uh, us and leave parents with, with a tip of the day that can, uh, can help us along. So my tip of the day is the happier and healthier you are as a parent, the happier and healthy your child will be. Oh, that's beautiful. That's exactly right. And understand that they're, they're people too. Uh, wonderful show, Meredith. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be with us. You can reach Meredith on her website, www.theresourcefulmother.com. She is on Twitter at uh, Meredith Deasley. 
Facebook, uh, theresourcefulmother.ca. You can find her on Instagram and on LinkedIn. And if you need any of those connections to Meredith, please email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. And you can follow us along on Facebook and Instagram as well. We thank you so much for joining us today, and we will speak with you next week. Hosted by Kathy Biasi here on Radio Maria Canada.